0: The sponsor for this episode is Whoop. If you haven't heard of Whoop, it is a fitness tracker that provides personalized daily insight into recovery, strain, and sleep. Uh, And this has provided some really cool, actionable data. I've been using it personally. There's a ton of PGA Tour players that are using it. You've probably seen Justin Thomas, Roy McElroy, and others wearing it. Um, And here's kind of what I take away the most, is, is number one, sleep and recovery. So every morning, you can uh, look at your phone, go into the app, look at the data, and it'll tell you kind of how your recovery was. Are you ready to take on a lot of strain that day? Should you relax a little bit more and make take really better actions based on how your body is doing? And then strain, this will let you know of how hard is your body actually working. Is that workout that you're doing, is there enough strain? Is there not enough? And look at all those different things. Um, In the golf context, uh, just the other day, really interesting. I found that playing nine holes walking um, was the same amount of strain as playing 18 holes riding in a cart. There's so many good things from Whoop. You should check it out. We got 15% off your Whoop membership code GSL, 15% off GSL. Head over to whoop.com and check that out. Definitely recommend picking one up. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. All right, everybody. We are back. This is the third conversation in our series, they're um, our, our still nameless series, unfortunately
1: three friends talking golf i don't know guys do we have a name yet why don't we ask someone to come up with a good name and maybe we can give them a, a prize or something like that there we go maybe, we'll, right, do, maybe we'll do a us. little tweet tweet twitter giveaway something like that yeah
0: i like it i like it um come with a name for this series uh, and and we'll uh we'll get you a prize but today we thought we
1: would tackle uh a, a topic of
0: conversation, which has been especially relevant, which is is distance, gaining distance.
1: I mean, as, as we've always known, golf is a game of proximity. You know, the closer you are to the hole, the, the better opportunity you have to post a lower score. And I think, you know, we could probably all credit the work of Mark Brody and some other people to assigning a lot more clarity and some mathematical stats with his strokes gain statistic on how much of an advantage it is to have length. Um, So we don't want to talk about the PGA Tour because what Bryson and those guys are doing, I view as a separate thing. Um, The fact of the matter is most normal golfers don't really hit the ball that far. I think, you know, if you look at the averages and Adam, you can you can back me up on this if I'm wrong or not. Um, I think TrackMan always states it's around 90 miles an hour is the average uh, swing speed with the driver for a male golfer. And I've looked through various stat tracking platforms like GameGolf, Arcos and ShotScope, which are actually tracking on course performance. And for the most part, um, you're not seeing the typical golfer drive it further than two hundred and thirty yards. I think that's kind of like a cutoff point. I think where The
2: average like, is about two, yeah, two fifteen something like.
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, it's so you know, regular rec- recreational golfers are are not hitting the ball that far comparatively, and there's a number of reasons for that. Um, physically, they're not capable; they they can't strike the ball the certain way. Their equipment might not be tuned in. There's a number of reasons, and and we'll touch on that in this in this podcast. But um, the main Takeaway I've gotten from Brody's research and other people is that normal golfers have even more to gain from adding distance to their game than even a pro golfer because there's so much ground to make up. Um, you know, if you can add 10, 20, 30 yards off the tee or have shorter irons into the greens, like you're just giving yourself a better opportunity to post lower scores and remove you know bigger scores, um, because the fact is the closer you are to the hole. All things being equal, of course, you don't want to be in the trees or penalty area. Um, It just gives you a better opportunity to score. Um, What do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I usually think that, um, you know, just gaining driver distance is one thing. But if if people do it by club head speed as well, uh, or improved efficiency, perhaps improved strike or something like that, then uh, usually the irons are going to go up as well. So if you gain 20 yards off the tee, you're not only hitting two clubs less in, but you might be hitting three less in because that year also a club longer with the irons as well and that can be really significant to your scores hitting the wedge instead of an eight or seven iron is it's just an easier game
1: <laughs> yeah you're just your, your dispersion will probably be a bit tighter and what that's just going to result in is more greens and regulation perhaps uh, a few less really bad misses um, so you're giving yourself an opportunity to make some easier pars um, perhaps a few birdies here and there but also, the flip side of that, and I, something I always focus on is is really double bogey avoidance. Um, if you've got shorter irons in your hand, um, you're going to remove that situation where you might put yourself in a really tough spot around the green and you're making double bogey or worse. Um, So, you know, I want to make it seem like we're distance craze here because we want to make this a responsible discussion, but um, a lot of good things can happen. And I, and I don't think it requires as much effort as people think um, if you can add distance and, you know, another point I'll throw in with the stats and something that was kind of mind opening to me, mind blowing to me, maybe the right word is that we've probably placed too much significance on hitting fairways. And I know in the past I had been like probably way too conservative off the tee trying to hit fairways. And now when we kind of take a step back and look at the data from real golfers on real golf courses, um, usually the number you arrive at is that you have to be about 25 yards away to have the same stroke differential. What I mean by that is, let's say you hit a driver 25 yards further off the tee and you're in the rough, but still have a clear path to the green, that's the same um, average of strokes you'd have to hole out from if you were 25 yards back in the fairway. Um, So I think, you know, the takeaway from that is we probably placed a little too much emphasis on hitting fairways. Um, And, you know, someone like Scott Fawcett, who I think we've all either spoken to or learned from. He's opened up my eyes on that topic, where you know you, you do want to advance the ball as far as you possibly can off the tee, while keeping it in play, of course, and avoiding the big trouble. Um, but that increase in distance, whether you hit the fairway or just miss it and you still have a clear path to the green, is is worth almost a third of a stroke, about twenty five yards in that um, on each hole, and that adds up over time. So it gets back to the point that normal recreational golfers have a lot to gain from adding some distance to their to their games and that's why i think you know some of the topics we'll cover here are are worthwhile endeavors for all of you
2: i think it's huge for average golfers as well when you look at the average par four length i mean if you if you add up a drive and a five iron say your drive is 210 your five iron is 150 so a shorter hitter that's 360 yards they're covering with a driver five iron if you added thirty yards to the drive and twenty yards to the iron, all of a sudden they're hitting four ten. So that's an extra 50, 50 yards. They're going to reach maybe 40 percent more of the par fours in two, and that's gonna that's gonna be huge to their score.
1: Yeah, and also like, we've kind of always known this because think of um, course ratings and stuff like that. If you look at any course rating for any golf course, it's easier from closer tees because again, it's a game of proximity. If you're closer, you have a better chance to post scores. So um, if we've convinced you at this point that you do want to gain some distance, um, let's talk about efficiency. And I think, Adam, you're you're the strike guy. Um, so why don't you talk about what you think are efficient ways to add distance to your game without increasing swing speed? I,
0: I've got one more reason. John. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. And, I didn't mean to is, cut you this off. This is probably there. the most important this is the most important reason. Because it's, well. it's fun. Because it's fun? Because it's <laughs> a ton of fun.
1: Oh yeah. I love I mean, yeah, I, I should have covered that. Like I love hitting my driver as far as I possibly can. It's
2: incredibly fun for me. Yes. I love it. Um you, you asked about efficiency. I suppose I'm a good example of this because I I've always suffered with swing speed. I'm a short person uh in stature i'm I'm probably shorter than you i'm five foot eight (laughs) i tried the bryson method as well i added (laughs) like 30 pounds of muscle and it just didn't budge my swing speed at all so i had to figure out how to become more efficient and that was more apparent when i went from lynx golf where i could get away with hitting it low and running out there and i moved to florida and the ball just stops dead And I quickly found, oh, oh, I'm hitting it 210 here. I've got to do something differently. Um, So combine that with TrackMan and learning about the launch physics. And there are three things that you can do for efficiency. You can increase the ball speed uh you can increase the launch angle and you can reduce the spin rate so those are basically the three things that create distance there's no getting around it there's yeah, no, there's nothing yeah. else that creates distance as I, well so I was
1: I was hoping you would say that cuz I view that as sorry uh maybe the the holy triumvirate
2: of distance I would say those three things mhm definitely yeah i mean uh, so uh, ball speed um that is club speed and smash factor. So the faster you swing it, all else being equal, the faster the ball is gonna go out. However, I couldn't inc- increase my club head speed much. So I had to go the improvement of strike. So the fastest ball speed you can get is one and a half times the club head speed. So if you swing at 100 mile an hour, the ball's gonna go off 150 mile an hour if everything's optimal. So striking the center of the face or close enough to the center of the face, Um, And the other things that you'd look at are vertical and horizontal spin loft. So basically, are you cutting across the ball too much? Either too much loft or, you know, if your path is too far, either side of center. So those things create smash factor. In terms of launch angle, you wanna launch the ball, I don't wanna say as high as possible, but generally people don't get above where is optimal. I think the optimal is about 16 to 18 degrees of launch for almost everybody. When you get to really high ball speeds, it might lower a little bit. But uh, most people never launch their driver 18 degrees unless they sky it. Um, but when people watch me hit a driver, they they immediately notice how high I hit it. They, they just can't believe it. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm having to really crane my neck to see your golf ball. Um, so 18 degrees of the driver is really high. And I achieved that by... A higher strike on the club face. So if you strike just a a little bit above the sweet spot, you get a higher launch because the the club face has curvature to it. And so there's a higher loft above the sweet spot. Um, Also just applying more loft. So that could be uh, the, the kick point of the shaft. It could be your technique, you know, getting more behind it at impact. And then the third thing was spin rates. You want the spin rate to generally be low. I think the optimal is close to 2,000 or even below. If you get a really high swing speeds, it gets lower than that. As long as you're hitting the ball high enough, as long as you're launching it high, you don't want to launch it low with a low spin rate. You won't get any distance. But high launch, low spin is optimal. How do you get low spin? Hit up on the ball. So that reduces spin loft. Um, vertical strike again, so hitting slightly higher on the face not only improves the launch angle, but it actually reduces the spin rate as well from something we call vertical gear effect um, and you also a, a big thing, when I see high spin rates with amateurs, usually I look at their face strike and I see they're hitting on the heel for some reason, heel strikes tend to increase spin rate toe strikes tend to reduce it a little bit so yeah, those are the the golden triad of of distance ball speed launch angle and spin rate yeah. and most of that comes down to strike quality
1: yeah and and most of the things i've seen from various instructors and you can back me up on this because you've had a lot more experience watching players on track man is that most golfers launch it too low with too much spin, which is like a very bad combination. Like you just, that that is zapping distance and that could be from striking it lower on the face or, you know, like you said, on the heel. Um, they have negative angle of attacks where they're hitting down on the ball and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are reducing your launch angle if you hit down on it with the driver. Is that driver, correct? Is that correct?
2: Um, the, the launch angle, it, the angle of attack does launch the ball lower slightly. For every degree that you hit down, the ball will launch 0.25 of a degree. So it's a 20% influence. Dynamic loft is the bigger influence on launch angle, but they are kind of coupled. If I ask a hundred golfers to hit five degrees more down on the ball, they'll usually launch the ball about five degrees lower as well, because both angle of attack and dynamic loft come down with it. So in, in physics terms, um, the, the angle of attack doesn't really change the launch angle that much, but in reality, yes, it does.
1: Yeah. From my own experience working with it, um, I measured anywhere from like three to five positive angle of attack. And that's something I've worked on mainly. I just moving the ball further up in my stance, teeing it a little bit higher, um, maybe dropping that right shoulder down a little bit lower to feel like I'm just like ready for this thing to take off. But, Um, I've done a lot of work over the last few years, myself trying to be more efficient with my driver before I went for swing speed. And for most golfers, I think that's like step one. Like, would you if someone comes to your lesson to you, you're working with them. Do you try and achieve that goal before you tell them, like, hey, let's add swing speed
2: yeah, I, I would usually go the efficiency route first. So I check strike first and then I'd improve launch conditions, which usually results in trying to get them to hit more up on the ball. Yeah, that I go that route before um, the swing speed route.
1: And what's like an example of someone like let's say you had a student who was swinging like let's say 95 miles an hour with the driver. And I know you posted, I I think you you, had a very uh, very, uh, clickbaity article about this where you said how you added 50 yards to your drive and it was true. Um, Give someone an example of like how much you could actually gain from, I know TrackMan has really great statistics on this. Um, Just give like an example of someone who went from, you know, a normal swing speed from going from being not efficient to very efficient and what kind of distance gains they can expect from that.
2: I've actually got that blog post up here now. Um So yeah, I did a lot of testing when, when I first had TrackMan. These numbers will probably change because clubs have become a bit more forgiving now. But um, what I measured with the average golfer, their smash factor was 1.35, whereas optimal is 1.5. The spin rate average was about 3,500, whereas optimal is about 2,000. And the launch angle was about 8 degrees whereas the optimal is about 17 degrees. And when you plug in those numbers, the average numbers with different club head speeds, it actually works out pretty neatly that regardless of your club head speed, the average golfer with those numbers are losing 50 yards of carry distance. So they'd actually get a little bit more run out with that lower launch, so that that brings some of the distance back but i would i would put a, a conservative estimate of about 30 yards lost on normal fairways just from having less optimal numbers
1: which is good news because that means there's ground you can gain um by working on those things i mean i've i think the foot spray thing you've you've made that very popular other instructors like andrew rice have made it very popular and I can just tell you anecdotally over the last few years, um, spraying the face of my driver and experimenting with like tee height, ball position and, and various things in my swing and, and seeing how it's affecting my strike and understanding where it is. I know for a fact I've, I've gained probably over 20 yards of distance on average from just learning how to strike it closer to the center of the face or, as you mentioned, a bit higher to add a little more loft and less spin Um, I would say to anyone who's listening to this is like, that would be one of your first things is like, just start, get yourself some Dr. Scholl's foot spray and spray the face of your driver and start understanding where your impact tendencies are. And then maybe doing some experimentation to see what you can do with your setup or your swing to improve those conditions, because that's that's usually a pretty
2: big eye opener for most golfers. Even the centered strike. So say you take two golfers who hit in the middle of the club face but one is hitting quarter of an inch below the sweet spot and one guy is hitting quarter of an inch above the sweet spot. Um, the lower strike will lose 20 yards because it lowers the launch angle by a couple of degrees or even one degree um, and it increases the spin rate maybe by 500 RPMs. And that combination of two, two to four degrees difference in launch and a thousand RPMs difference in spin rate it's 20 yards of carry. So just, just that one inch of difference is absolutely huge. Cordy, are you still
1: awake over there?
2: I'm sorry. We're like totally dominating
1: this conversation he's, right he's now. He's
2: absolutely enthralled and engaged in our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any, do you sorry, have any we, thoughts are, on this? Are we still
0: podcasting?
2: <laughs> no, I, um No, I, I do have a
0: question. As Adam, I... I I know that I've heard instructors talk about not always wanting to maximize, you know, launch angle, getting everyone hitting it five degrees up and lowering, you know, lowering spin to the bare minimum on on everyone. Um, Do you agree with that? Or what, what are the exceptions when you're not trying to get those numbers like
2: super optimized? I'd probably be reluctant with a pro. Um just because if if they're hitting five down on it and if they're a pretty decent driver of the golf ball then you might not want to tinker with that because you could destroy an ecosystem i know there are plenty of pros out there who would be more um less cautious than i am in that but um i don't think at, at the pro level you're tinkering with something that's so precise and is so ingrained that that can be a big change for them. And they can also affect their iron play as well. If you start getting them hitting more up on the driver, they might start to implement that into their iron play as well, especially if they're not a pro that understands a lot of things. Um, someone like Bryson would be different because he, I think he would be more... I wanna take this risk. So if a pro comes and they say, right, I, I'm willing to take this risk, I understand the stats, I understand that driver and irons can be separate things, then you might go into that. But, but when it comes to most amateurs, um, there, there's almost no, <laughs> there's, there's no disadvantage for the amateur because they hit it all over the place anyway. So they might as well be hitting it all over the place and farther because it's just gonna reduce their scores.
1: And also it's a bit of a sliding scale. It's not all or nothing. Like if someone came to you and they were just, you know, launching their driver super low, tons of spin, and you got them to add several degrees of loft to their launch and a little less spin, like that's a win. You might get them 15 yards right there. Like it's not going to be that perfect plus five angle of attack with 2000 spin and 17 degrees launches. Like most golfers aren't going to get to that, but if you can get them 25 or 50% of the way like that's a meaningful gain on the golf course.
2: Definitely. I mean I, in my own game, I in that test where I gained 56 yards of carry, I went from 5 down with the angle attack. I went all the way up to 11 up. So I changed my angle of attack by 16 degrees. I wouldn't recommend that. I only did that just to say what is possible. You know, what what is possible with a change here? And for me, I settled on something about five or six up. So I didn't go all the way to that maximum because it only really gave me another five to 10 yards going from five up to 10, 10 up. Um, and it just wasn't worth it for me, the positions I had to get to, to achieve that. Um, but I found that nice, I suppose you could say middle ground it 's still on the upper end of the scale but yeah i i 'm weighing up a lot of things with a player, you know where they are currently, where 's optimal, um, how much they practice you know if someone practice, if someone doesn 't practice i 'm probably not going to change the angle of attack because it just it 's going to be such a interference for them. Uh, but if I can get them to strike a little better on the face or strike a little higher on the face and gain 10 yards, then that's a that's kind of a no brainer to do that.
1: Yeah, I would yeah. say for most people, the starting point has to be understanding where you're striking it on the face, because as forgiving as modern drivers are, um, there's still I've done tests where I've like struck it very low on the heel of the club versus where I should be. And it was the difference between hitting like a 285-yard drive and a 235-yard drive. Like impact is still incredibly important no matter how forgiving and large modern drivers are. Um, And let me just segue into a a small other thing about equipment because I've been fortunate enough to learn from one of the best club fitters in the industry over the last five years. Uh, I'll give him a plug. His name is Woody Lashin from Pete's Golf in New York. And I've learned a lot about fitting working with him and understanding how he fits golfers. And one thing I would say to other people on this topic of efficiency is making sure you do have the right driver for your swing. Um, Because if you don't, if you are just going out there and saying like, Hey, the new Callaway driver is supposed to be the best. um, And you just get whatever shaft comes with it. And you're like, Oh, I think I should be a stiff shaft. And like, you're just ordering off the rack. Like you, you, I, I know for a fact, you could be leaving 20, 30 yards on the table. Um, I, for example, most players need less spin off the tee. I'm the opposite. I'm a very low spin player. And about four years ago, I went with one of the new driver releases without testing it much. I thought it was right. And I got out on the course and it was like ducks falling out of the sky. I was like hitting 210 yard drives. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I went on the launch monitor and I'm spinning it like 1300. So all of that technology to reduce the spin was working against me. And when I went to the right driver head which fit my swing more appropriately, then I got back to where I should be hitting it. And and the moral of that story is that you know, not All equipment is not created equal. There are differences. Um, Each engineer at the manufacturers who are incredibly talented, there's different trade-offs they make in in club head design. And that's a whole other topic we could cover. Um, But I would say that getting fit for the right driver head and shaft um, is another way that you could add more distance to your game without making any swing changes. You want something that's going to fit your current swing. Um, definitely
2: so, um, on the on the topic of no-brainer ways to increase distance um if i have someone who i just i know they're not going to hit more up on it for for whatever reason um you could just jack up the loft a little bit oh, definitely. and that increases the launch angle uh, which can add more carry distance the, the disadvantage with that is that it can increase the spin rate as well. So there's, there's kind of this trade-off. You get this optimal launch, but you, you increase the spin and you reduce the smash a little bit. You can find out that middle ground where this player with that given swing can gain more distance. But if we're t- talking pure optimal distance, then hitting up on it with a lower lofted driver is, is, uh, is the way to achieve that optimal. Well, let's look at Bryson. He's got a, a five Fun. and a half degree yeah. driver. He's gaming, <laughs> it's right? It's insane. Well, um, the optimal guys are the long drive champions, right? They all hit up 11 degrees with three degree drivers. So this if you want to look for maximum distance, those are the models to use. Whether that's best for, for play, I don't know, but Bryson is going that route. Um,
1: so why don't we tie up this part of it? I think we've given people a lot to digest there. And I think Maybe some of the key takeaways are I think just striking it better is 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 definitely like the number one most efficient way to gain distance.
2: If only there was a plan for that.
1: I know that there's a guy who had a strike plan maybe. I don't know. Maybe he exists. Um yeah, and then, you know, hitting up on the ball, adding loft, decreasing spin, getting fit for the right driver, um those are the efficient ways to add distance. Um, now let's talk about responsible ways to add clubhead speed. And Cordy, why don't, why, why don't we? Yeah, Cordy, you've worked with a lot of bio. What are they? Biophysicists. Sasho McKenzie. Called? Yeah. yeah let's we'll talk about what doctor. Yeah, that guy knows a lot about it. Increasing clubhead speed. <laughs> the doctor. Talk. Why don't you share some of the things you've learned about adding clubhead speed the right way?
0: Yeah, I find clubhead speed um fascinating and i think it's interesting people's perspective on it um there's there's a video on youtube of 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 myself and um Sasha mckenzie uh, it's called something like from 113 to 119 miles an hour um and it's this little video of how he helped me gain clubhead speed i i never got my personal clubhead speed over like 114 115 ever no matter how hard i was swinging couldn't figure mm-hmm. it out um and he gave me a simple cue uh, and then I, I got it up to 119 and about three swings. Um, the cue will remain it secret, the secret. until you go
1: <laughs> um, I know, I know what your you know, cue it, is and I totally agree with it. And it's something I've probably worked on through, can I say tempo training without giving it away? Yeah, um, no, I abs- absolutely. Um, I, I've always, you know, the last few years I've worked with these tempo beats that get, you know, the timing of my swing more in sync. And I would say that most golfers lose clubhead speed right off the bat, just because they have incredibly slow back swings in relation to the downswing. Um, so we won't dive too deep into that, but um, that that's a way where I, I think a lot of people can add a few miles an hour of clubhead speed
2: right off the bat. Um, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, from a teaching perspective, the amount of golfers who I've had on Trackman, and they come in, I do a pre test with them, and we see how far they're hitting it. And they tell me, Yeah, I, I hit it better when I swing slower. I'm like, Okay. And I say, Can you just entertain me for a minute and yeah. just lash, lash the hell out of it for the next 10 shots? And they do. And they go, See, it's all over the place. And I show them their Trackman stats after, and they're pretty much identical. In terms of lateral dispersion But it's 20 yards farther They, they pick up maybe 7-8 mile an hour Club head speed just by the intention Of hitting it harder And then we plug it into strokes gained And we say well actually if you, if you did this Even though you'd hit a few fewer fairways Because it is 20 yards farther You'd score lower with this So stop listening to your buddy Who's telling you to swing it slower
1: <laughs> Yeah I, I don't I, 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 don't, I was someone I was who, someone who- did that for a very long time myself. Um, I, I just found out that when I got on the golf course, I had a very slow backswing and I was like guiding the club. And by quickening up the the pace of my backswing, it, it probably removed some. Uh, I don't want to get into my backswing again, but it, re- it removed some um, probably deep technical flaws, because I feel like when you try and guide the club, there's just more opportunity for something to go wrong versus um, if if you have a little more intent for speed, you can get to where you're going a little bit faster, and maybe the club's not going to take a bizarre path there. And I think you've you've seen that as well on the lesson tee. Yeah,
2: it's more momentum in the club. If I if I just get a player to swing back and forth without hitting a ball, just really fast back forth, back forth, and then you video their swing, the mechanics clean up so so much. Because because of the momentum of the club, you know they're actually swinging the club now instead of like you said guiding it or moving it through positions. So the other thing that kind
0: of faster backswing does, and we'll refer back to Bryson again here. There's somebody posted a video on Twitter of his his old swing and new swing, and he's he hits the ball when his backswing finishes, I think, or something like that. Do you guys see that video? Oh yeah, he's and incredible. It's
1: amazing how fast he's coming now on the backswing. It's 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 like violent how quickly he's going back
0: one of the things that sasho explained to me is that um, when you swing back faster like this you have to apply more force to the club to swing it back down in your downswing um, because you've been going back quicker and so it'd be comparing like hideki and bryson right like if you put bryson's backswing into hideki matsuyama's you know, uh, backswing, he would swing way faster, right? Like if he took the pause out of a swing, what what Sasha was saying is that he would probably swing quite a bit faster than he currently does. Cause, um, just having to apply that force to get the club moving in the opposite direction, um, it, it changes quite a bit. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. That's another impact, uh, you know, of, of kind of club head speed and how that gets going.
1: And for anyone who's like interested in like how to actually do this, um, one of the right ways I would suggest, I alluded to tempo beats earlier. Um, I've been using the Tor Tempo app for years now. It's something I kind of stumbled across five years ago. It's been out for a long time and it's helped me a lot. And it essentially gives you three beats, um, the start of your swing, your top, the top of your swing and impact. And there's various speeds you can do it. Um, I think using tempo beats is a great way while you're practicing, to feel what that's like, because if you do have that incredibly slow backswing, uh, like I've even done this experiment with my father, getting him to get more, a little quicker on the on the backswing to get more in, in ratio, I guess with his downswing is the right term to use. Uh, but using those beats can be incredibly helpful um, for a lot of golfers. So I would suggest looking into that for anyone who's interested in how to pursue that.
2: Yeah, I've done that with metronomes. You can download metronomes on the phone. Yeah, you can use a metronome metronome too. too. And just putting it at 60, I think most pros are about 63 to maybe 70 beats a minute, 63 to 68, something like that. And when you put that on for an amateur and say, keep up with this, they just can't most amateurs are about 40 or 30 beats a minute because they get told all these cliches you know swing it slow and (laughs) just slow down and you know it's like no there's no pro who who has a tempo like that not even when chipping or putting it's all the same tempo is about 63 to 68 beats a minute i think the other thing is that most people
0: don't actually know how to swing faster or like what actually impacts it because they're not using the right feedback. Like if you want to practice swinging faster, you need to be on some kind of launch monitor and looking at club head speed. You can't just watch the ball or guess that it's going farther. Like you actually need to use the right feedback to practice what you're practicing. Um, I know so many people that just are guessing, Uh, and I was in that camp as well. Thankfully, we've got, you know, things like Rapsodo or Voice Caddy or, um, you know, all these launch miners now that can give us some feedback around that so we can practice a little bit smarter with actually a, a, a metric that that matters if that's what you're going after.
1: Yeah, I've, um, yeah, I've, I've kind of specialized in that launch miner space. I've tested them all that five hundred dollar and below category. They're not all perfect, but at least you can see your relative speed over time so you can benchmark yourself. Um, so you could see where you, and I think ball speed is the number one metric to track because that's your output, you know, swing speed is your input and the energy you're transferring to the golf ball measured in ball speed, I believe is the best way to really figure out if you're adding distance to your game, because you could swing it faster and strike it more poorly and lose ball speed. So that's why, you know, it it is not a hundred percent guarantee that adding swing speed will increase distance because like we mentioned before, you could be, you could start striking it all over the face of the driver. You know, I, I know people who probably swing 15, 20 miles an hour faster than me and I can outdrive them a lot of the times because I'm just striking it more efficiently. Um, so why don't we talk about, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of good ways to add swing speed through training over speed training and fit physical fitness Adam, I know you've done some work on that yourself. Like, why don't we talk about ways you can get your body moving faster? Because the the truth of the matter is, is most golfers, you know, they work a full time job. They're probably sitting at a desk all day. They're not very flexible. They don't have a lot of mobility in their hips and other places in their body. And you are going to need to do some work on that to move your body faster for the golf swing. Because um, I don't want someone getting injured by just going out there and trying to swing faster without any plan because that's a real possibility. Um, so why don't we like briefly touch on some of the training methods, you know, all of us have come across to increase clubhead speed. Adam, Do you want to start? You had your uh, your fuel for golf. You're, you're, you're a bit into fitness. fitness.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's that's much more of a long term approach, you know, getting your body in shape and gaining gaining weight, gaining muscle, things like that. Uh, probably the quickest exercise I've I've ever seen increase swing speed is just getting an alignment stick, putting it in your right hand and just saying swish it as loud as possible. So hold it nice and light and just feel as if you swish it down at the ball as, as loud as you can. I've seen so many players have a massive increase in speed from that, especially players who have been analytical and they've tried to position their way through swing speed. You know, I I used to look at Tiger's swing as a kid and say, what, is it his left arm position that makes him swing it so fast? Is it, you know, how much he hinges his wrists? I was looking for a positional way to increase speed rather than just focusing on the speed itself. And so many players, when they find that whip or they, you know, they think of the golf swing more as a whipping action down at the ball. They can, I've seen jumps of 10, even 15 mile an hour with a driver um, from one swing to the next, so without any physical training. So I'm approaching that more from a, an intention point of view. Um, not necessarily the intention to hit as hard as possible, which usually signifies other things to people. They grip it tighter and they try and muscle it, but just to try and swing it faster, trying to whip it, uh, and i think adding that will uh, will increase speed
1: so you're alluding to like a concept that's become pretty popular called overspeed training where you're teaching your body to move faster yeah, there are neurological changes that take place um
2: neuromuscular it, facilitation yeah. so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's
1: pretty much like removing the governor off of a golf cart like your your body can move faster you just got to train it the right way. And I think a product a lot of people are coming across over the last few years is super speed golf. I think a lot of people have heard that name by now. They've, they've created this system where they have different weighted clubs and a training protocol. I'm currently training with it myself. I've used it over the last few years. Um, I would say that's one of the ways to do it responsibly. Uh, I don't think it's for everyone, um, but over speed training is where you're like, taking aggressive swings with like different weighted shafts, um, doing a few different exercises and the results can be pretty dramatic for like some players might only gain like three, four, five miles an hour, but I've seen other players, like you said, like it can be 10 to 20. It could be pretty crazy. Um, so that, that's one route you could go is the overspeed training route. Um, Cordy, what do you think about that? I know you've had some experience with super yeah. speed.
0: No, I long-term fan, um, I mean, I think there's enough tests and studies and reviews out there to show that it works. Uh, I think that you just got to do something, do some kind of training, and super speed's a great place to get started. It's such a straightforward method. Um, and you just got to start swinging harder. Like one Another thing that Sasho has done in some of the research is the importance of kind of the, the forces that we're putting into the left foot, the lead foot for the right-handed golfers, um, and how we have to be able to – actually cope with the new speed and all the new forces and um there's a lot of things your body aren't used to when you start swinging faster so um and a lot of folks never really try so they never have to cope so they never build these skills and then you know you're swinging the same speed um and so I think, I think there's a lot of benefits to getting out there and just trying to swing faster and swing harder. And um, John, I know you mentioned ball speed is kind of the factor to look at, but I, I would almost say if you really want to stretch yourself and push yourself, just go out there and max out your club head speed um, and really just see what you have and don't care where the ball goes, but just see what you have possible, see what it feels like, see what kind of new feelings you have, um, because there's a lot of different forces you have to cope with when that happens uh and then o- over time kind of go through that so i uh, i didn't do you guys know clay ballard at all over it um, um oh man top speed golf, top speed
1: golf i just we're blanked. giving Sorry, out clay. like we're giving out so many free plugs this podcast i'm about to give out another one after this we're just so generous
0: <laughs> no but i i had a great conversation with clay oh gosh is this two years ago now where he gave a bunch of great kind of like ideas and tests to go do and he's done some real interesting research on what's going on with the muscles and how you need to uh you know go in between swings wait a particular time period so that uh you know your muscles can go back to the certain state and there's all kinds of really cool stuff out there on this that podcast was probably one of the best to go back and listen to if you're looking for kind of like ideas to work on and kind of the the science about practicing swinging really fast um But yeah, those are, there you go. John, you said you had something.
1: So I'm big into fitness and just outside of golf. Like I am someone who tries to work out and take care of their body. And the one thing I've learned from whether it's like the Titleist Performance Institute or other trainers out there who are working in the golf world is that there are also a number of things. I mean, you should be doing with your body in general as we age. Um, but things you could do specifically for golf, and that's, you know, working on your flexibility. I, I guess the three things that a lot of trainers, if you want more club head speed, would focus on is flexibility, overall strength, and and of course, explosiveness. Like, you've got to be able to explode more into the ball. And another plug I'll give a, is um, Mike Carroll from Fit for Golf. Um, he's getting pretty big on Twitter, and I, I use... So he's he's a great resource. Um, He put me through a TPI evaluation where we kind of figured out some things about my body. And he's got a great app where you can go through various protocols. But um, the combination of doing stretching, like I'm getting more mobility in my hips and my shoulders and other parts of my body, allowing me to make more of a turn to generate that speed, Um, just lifting more weights. In a golf specific way and then training for that explosiveness. So he uses the super speed sticks as well. And some other, you know, exercises where you're just like literally jumping as high as you can or as far as you can um, doing these explosive exercises. Again, it's it's training your body to make that golf movement, get your body to move faster. But at the same time, the other exercises are making sure that your body's strong enough and flexible enough to make it happen, because again, you, you don't want to get injured. That that would be my number one fear for anyone pursuing this is you, you don't want to hurt your body in the process. And I've done that myself. Um, so I think that the best way to do it is, you know, if you've got the time and you're willing to put in the effort is to approach it from all of these angles is you know, get your body right from a health standpoint, stretch, get stronger, more explosive. You could do the overspeed training. And like what Cordy says, like just the intent of adding more speed is something that most people don't even try. Um, So I've experimented with all of them and I try and do a little bit of everything because uh, I'm getting, you know, I'll be 37 this month. Um, I'm getting older, you know, the yeah, the body's getting creakier and I want to keep adding, you know, I, I you know, I, I enjoy hitting my driver far. It's fun for me. So, you know, I'm in the process of, of you know, getting more speed myself. And I, I've seen, you know, it, it does work if you do it properly. There's no question about it. And for certain golfers, like there's some big gains you could get probably quickly if you've never done any of this before.
2: Guys, they, have we got time five minutes for another one that's really, really good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course. <laughs> I sell it well. Um, <laughs> y- what What are the three most common things that amateurs tell each other?
1: Uh, swing slow, smooth, slow back <laughs> nice and smooth. Keep your head down.
2: <laughs> there's one. okay, yeah, so keep your left arm straight, keep your head down, swing slow, things like that. Now there's something called parametric acceleration. Have you guys ever hear of this? Ooh, fancy. I think I've seen it on yeah. your website. Yeah, there's, a, there's an article. So basically, all the research, and, and Dr. Sasha McKenzie, this is where I kind of learned about this, in, in conjunction with a paper by Mura. Uh, is it Mura? Oh, anyway, forget about it. But basically, this guy says, uh, or the research shows, that pros are pulling up through impact. So um, uh, stealing the, a term from Bramanzella, Manzella, it's like pulling or ripping the grip off the club off the shaft through impact. So we call it normal force. And the way that I've trained this in golfers is I get them into a simulated impact position and I get down and I grab the club head and I say, pull, pull the grip off the club. So pull against me. So I'm pulling the club down towards the ball. They're pulling the grip away towards their left hip. And I say, that's the feeling that you should have through impact. And I've seen some incredible speed gains from that when people actually add that to their to their. Screen or add that feeling through impact. And it has a lot of benefits, actually. It's not just speed. It actually um, shallows the angle of attack and produces some other good things as well. But yeah, pros are pulling up with about, uh, think about 150 pounds of force with a driver through impact. And most amateurs are doing things that destroy that, like keep the head down, force the arms to be straight, things like that. and so, yeah, it's a it's a technical way or it delves more into the forces and talks of how we create speed. And uh, yeah, this Mura paper showed a, a force or pulling up with X amount produced 10 percent more club head speed. And I've seen similar similar things on the lesson tee.
1: So how would like a, a golfer? I mean, you mentioned how you know, you worked with them specifically to feel that um what's a reasonable way for someone to like add that to their game is it through some of the stuff we've discussed earlier is it a different feeling um because i've heard just that one too. yeah
2: like ju- just visualizing ripping the grip off a club through impact. <laughs> you know, if, if you ask that you wouldn't have to be told how how to or or I need to do a drill to do that, Mm -hmm. really. You just, you know, sometimes, like I said, I'll grab the club and pull it against them and just say, feel this, and and that aids it. But I'm sure most people have a good enough uh, imagination that they're like, okay, I can understand what it feels like to rip the grip off the club through impact.
1: All right, so we're probably, I think we're reaching our expiration point here, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I well I think like what's been best for me and and some people might hate this, I like this approach, but I like testing. So like trying different ideas. Like try Adam's idea there. Like go out and try that feel and see how that works for you. Um, you know, other people try lifting your left uh, your lead foot, the heel off the ground on the backswing. Try making a longer backswing. Try a quicker backswing. you know, like I don't know, just go test stuff. Get yourself some good feedback, um, you know, from a launch miner of some kind or something that you can get some feedback from and, and go test stuff out. I think that's my my best advice is just go try something different, like just don't do the same thing over and over again. Do do something different when you're out there.
1: <laughs> OK, so, so to wrap this up, one, you definitely want to hit the ball farther because it will lower your scores and it'll be more fun Two, there are plenty of ways to do it efficiently. And I think. A lot of us agree that striking the ball on the club face more efficiently is probably the best way to get it done, amongst some other things. Are, are we in
0: agreement that, uh, that you should do that first? That you should start that before you, you play around with club head speed, you should make sure you're at least decent at that?
1: I think that's up for debate. Um, the timing of it, I my personal preference is that, um, I'd rather people get more efficient. With what they've currently got, before they add speed, um, maybe that's not right for everyone. Um, but that's how I like envision building the house of of distance, so to speak. But I, you know, I wouldn't say like hundred percent that's the right move for everyone. That's just my preference. That's how I've done it personally. But it could, you know, people. I've seen people who have per- pursued speed with a lot of the methods we've talked about that actually made their golf swing more sound. Like they've improved. I know we kinematic sequence is like a hot term in the golf industry, but I've seen plenty of evidence showing that someone who's added speed and done all those drills that we discussed actually made the kinematic sequence of their of their swing better and they just had a better swing because of it. So, yeah, that that's I guess that one's up for debate. I, I, I don't know if there's a 100 percent right answer on that one.
2: I think you can do both, yeah. You can work on maximizing your swing speed as a separate category. Uh, you know, even as a separate session, like Cordy said, just spend an entire session trying to swing the thing as fast as you can, regardless of what the ball does, and then work on the the efficiency stuff yeah, and you'll really find that middle ground.
1: That's literally what I'm doing right now. Like I'm going to an hour after this, I'm going to swing speed sticks as fast as I possibly can and then do some like explosion exercises and then sometime later in this week. I'm going to be hitting golf balls how I normally do. And I don't feel like one has affected the other that much, but you know, I don't know if that again, that, you know, I never say anything's for certain in golf because there's just so many variables in place. Um, So I think what Cordy said is, is like experimenting and seeing the results is a great place to start because you just don't know how it's going to work out for you. But you know, everything we've mentioned are tried and true techniques that have worked for golfers. Um, So, Hopefully that makes sense to people and I haven't confused you.
0: <laughs> well, this was, uh, this was good guys. I, uh, I love this conversation. Um, we will try to link up as many tools and resources as possible in a post along with this. Cause we mentioned quite a few things here. Um, I would say the first thing would be going to check out, uh, the strike plan. Um, that would be the number one step can no, i get can I get myself a plug? That. Is
1: that okay <laughs> Yes so yes, sure. so on on practical golf, we have a lot of deals for uh personal launch monitors under five hundred dollars so if you take a look at my site, you'll come across some uh, exclusive offers we've arranged for our readers so yeah, those help. The PRGR launch monitor, I know the Swing Caddy ones, the Rap Soto. Um, those are all great places to start to measure your club head speed and ball speed. So, those are great diagnostic tools, in my opinion.
0: Uh, all right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks. Uh, fun times.